you know, the mermaid culture, as you would have it, is really huge. I like to call it a mermaid movement. It's a movement. And being that if you start to pay attention to the mermaid movement, it's all over the world. It's not just on coastal islands or Florida. It doesn't matter if you're landlocked mermaids, there's mermaids, there's groups. A lot of people identify themselves as mermaids. You know, it doesn't have to be, it's a state of mind. Inspiration, creative people, problem solving, imagination, discovery, thinking outside of the box. Welcome to Inspiris Audio Magazine a podcast focusing on creativity, inspiration, and imagination. The phrase a rolling stone gathers no moss ought to have my next guest's photo pasted right next to it. A Key West, Florida native, this always-on-the-go woman has been swimming since she was a year old. And to put this into perspective, she has created her own career as a professional mermaid, and she has received national and international attention as a result. She is an accomplished mermaid festival creator with awards to back that up an owner of numerous businesses, and an adept, intuitive, and student of astrology. As a people person, my guest lights up any room with her verdant energy, and in her words, she is a connector of people. I'd like to introduce Christy Ann Mills to Inspiris Audio Magazine. Hi, how are you? I'm doing awesome, how are you? It looks like you've been really busy and having fun over there. Yeah, I've been really busy. I have been having fun just because I, you know, I always try to have fun no matter what I'm doing. But it just seems like, uh, you know, it's feast for uh, it's feast right now. But, you know, it's like that in life. It's either feast or famine. And it just seems like everything is happening all at one time. So I'm just, uh, no pun intended, but just, you know, uh, basically keeping my head above water. <laughs> how, many, how many more Chrissy's would make you be able to breathe? Oh, man, at least four. Good four. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> nice. All right. So the, the first question I ask everybody is, can you give me your elevator autobiography sketch? Who is Christy Ann Mills? Wow. My uh, elevator speech. <laughs> so basically a minute, a minute to two minutes of, you know, just like mm-hmm. you needed to tell someone your CV within 30 seconds of an elevator ride or whatever. Okay. I'm uh, Christy Ann, a professional mermaid. And uh, normally people are like, well, really? And yeah, you know, I, I washed up in 1976. I'm born and raised here on the island of Key West, Florida. Learned how to swim when I was one. And luckily today, I have been able to make a career out of my childhood passion. And it's swimming. That's where I feel I am the most at home is in and around the water. And yeah, I guess I'm, at this point in the game, I'm an award-winning festival founder. And been in a lot of magazines and articles. And uh, this is my second podcast. I'm excited about that. So basically, I'm um, just an island girl who's made a living out of being a professional mermaid. Nice. All right. So when you established your business in Key West, what were your creative visions for it? And did you have inspiration from other sources? And when I'm saying that, I'm talking about your store, how we met, actually. I opened up my first little store in 2013, and the idea was to have a little store with just mermaid product in it. There had been other stores around the island that had mermaid products peppered in very little around the island, but there had never been an actual mermaid store. And so I was the very first one to bring an actual mermaid store. Now we've had like 
mermaid guest houses and things with logos and things like that, but never an actual retail space. I really was just happy with starting off with that. But very early on, my mother had come to me and said, I have this great idea. And I was like, what is that, mom? And I literally wasn't even open the month. She's like, a mermaid festival. And I said, oh gosh, mom, I can't even think about that right now. Let me get through one thing at a time. So it wasn't something that I was just focused on one thing at a time, basically. And my focus was just opening up this little retail location. Uh, First one was only 50 square feet. I had it for about a year and a half before I opened up the larger one where, where, what you, what you know about. And, and that was a little bit bigger. And yeah, so I really didn't know where it was going to take me. I just knew that I had a love and an affinity for mermaids and the water. And I wanted to bring that to the island of Key West. What about mermaids? Anything with swimming, you could have done anything. What, what was it about mermaids that drew your interest? Well, when I was a little girl, my sister and I would pretend we were mermaids. And we would bind our ankles with scarves, shoelaces, anything we can find to perfect our mermaid form. I, like I say all the time, I would never recommend that. There are safer ways to do that today. We practice holding our breath underwater, give ourselves mermaid names. And my grandfather was a commercial fisherman. So I, being the oldest and firstborn of my father, who was also a fisherman at the time, he didn't have a boy. So he would take me along with him on his adventures. And they used to always say, look, look, did you see the mermaid out there? And, you know, so you're on the open water. You're on this big fishing boat, you know, as a child, it didn't matter how big it really was. It was really big to you, right? And I used to always just, you know, dream and daydream about like seeing a mermaid or, you know, wishing one would come up and, and that kind of thing. And it was way before I even knew about or seen the movie Splash because that was my first uh, mermaid movie that I had ever seen growing up. And it was just something that I... I don't know, it was like a, a, a fantasy and just something that I wanted to believe in that was real, sort of like Santa Claus or, you know, the Tooth Fairy, that kind of thing, Easter Bunny. Yeah. Nice. Would you share with my listeners what your festival is all about and how you employ creativity to make it a reality? Okay, so my festival is uh, basically a family-friendly event where we invite people to come from all over, local and worldwide. This year, we will have people coming worldwide because of travel restrictions and such. But the first year for 2019, we weren't able to have it in 2020. Um, well, no one could have anything. But we had people come from all over the world and, and even hear about it all over the world. What the festival is about is about teaching swim safety on how to swim safely in a mermaid tail, and also about bringing awareness to ocean conservation. The nonprofit of my choice was Reef Relief. They do so much here to try to sustain our ecosystem, and we have one of the largest barrier reefs in the world. And so that was important to me to give back there to them. So we've always worked closely, and since 2019, we do different events and I help raise money for them and the mermaids that volunteer from all over. They help raise money for them as well. And what was your other question? How, how, how I can use my creative? Yeah. How do you employ creativity to make it a reality? I mean, the, this is a creative podcast, obviously. And so mm-hmm. I, I want to understand, you know, like I know that there's nuts and bolts in the brass tacks of 
the behind the scenes things, admin stuff like that. What is the for you? What is the joy of the creativity of building it? The joy of the creativity of building it, and what I have found is that the world of mermaid is pretty much endless. It's endless on what you can do. It's pretty much infinite. You can start talking about this and it it just can evolve and morph into something else. It's very fluid, no pun intended. So I really love that part about it, how you can just make it anything that you want it to be. It's not specific. You know, if you had, you know, let's just say you had a festival that was, let's say a yoga festival. There's, there's only so much I feel that you can do with that where where it comes to something of fantasy or something of um, something like a mermaid festival, you, you're allowed to be a lot more creative. Nice. Children, I noticed when we were in Key West, really gravitate toward mermaids, girls especially. Can you tell me a little bit about the reactions you see in young girls who see a mermaid tail for the first time and they realize they that's what they want to do or just respond so lovingly to what your women your mermaids uh, do for them? You know, when I first started, I used to think that too. But what I've really come to notice is that everybody responds well to mermaids. It doesn't matter what age you are, what sex you are. And what I find is that you either are a mermaid at heart or you're not. But it makes everyone happy. It still puts a smile on their face. And yes, I I see people all the time and, and just kids' faces always light up. And adults are like, I want to try that. And then when they do, they are so excited and they're like, I mean, I can do this part time. You know, I'm a teacher. I can use this to teach kids in my class or, you know, I can do birthday parties. And you see uh, the wheels start turning and more often than not, the people that do try the tails on or want to do it end up taking it somewhere. They don't just use it in their pool. They actually end up doing something with their mermaid little hobby or side gig if they have one and but I do feel even even men love it they I've had men try on tails I've had men encourage their wives or their girlfriends or their kids to try on tails and little boys love it as well you know one thing I notice too when I'm in a pool or in the ocean and I'm swimming the kids one of the things that the kids do and that's why I can never have an adult class with the kids class because they'll be like, mermaid, mermaid, teacher, teacher, look at me, look at me. And they want to show you how good they swim without a tail, just like in their regular, you know, with their land legs on. And like I like to say, but it's just something about being around a mermaid that if you're a child, you want to kind of show off how good you can swim. If you're an adult, you're like, hey, I want to try that. That looks fun. And it is. It's something that taps into your inner child. I would say. So I think that that's the main reason why it makes everyone so happy. Do we need more popular culture references? You know, like uh, the Little Mermaid, as you mentioned, Splash. Are there other avenues of where people can enjoy mermaids in, in movies, film? Oh, yes. Uh, you know, the mermaid culture, as you would have it, is really huge. I like to call it a mermaid movement. It's a movement. And being that if you start to pay attention, to the mermaid movement, it's all over the world. It's not just on coastal islands or Florida. It doesn't matter if you're landlocked mermaids, there's mermaids, there's groups. A lot of people identify themselves as mermaids. You know, it doesn't have to be, it's a state of mind. 
you can just be a mermaid at heart. You have um, groups that are, you know, I've met women that have a motorcycle club and they call themselves the mermaids. And, you know, I have groups that are in the desert and they're, you know, they're landlocked mermaids, but they call themselves mermaids. And then there's women that scuba dive, they fish, they, you know, stand up paddle with soup girls, the free divers, the ones that spearfish, anybody that is associated with any kind of water, lake or whatnot, they identify themselves with mermaid. Because, you know, if you pay attention to history, mermaids have been around for a very, very long time in our history. What about the, I don't want to say negative because mermaids aren't negative to me, but you have like the siren, you know, the fetching, (laughs) the fetching feminine in the sea, calling sailors to their, to the water, basically. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think there's a little bit of both that people think about, you know, you do, you think about the siren who, you know, basically would take men and drown them to their deaths. Or, or lure them to their deaths. And then, you know, you have the mermaids that help, you know? So I think you kind of have that in today's world anyway, where you have that positive and negative polarity. And if you're not balanced out, well, then I'm sure you're a siren. If you're balanced, then I'm, I'm sure you're a mermaid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if we want to meet a siren quite yet. No, right? no, no. I don't want sirens <laughs> in my, around, around my, my, uh, my businesses or the activities I do. I prefer all the mermaids. Mermaids, welcome. <laughs> Nice. Why is it important for you to empower other people's dreams and visions of themselves? You know, I, I always say this and, you know, I'm, you know this, uh, but I, I'm very spiritual and I'm also, you know, kind of like a cosmic mermaid, if you will, where I'm a, I'm a freak of the Zodiac. I'm a triple Aquarius, sun, moon, and rising. And so I'm a very uh, much about the collective. And I always feel that I'm here for a bigger purpose than myself. It's, it's not about me. I, you know, I just get these things that happen to me where I meet people or I line up with the right people. But I, I know it's not because, you know, Christiane is so wonderful or she's a mermaid. It's because it's all about something bigger. And one thing I have learned about myself as a 45-year-old adult that dresses up in a mermaid tail is that I have two, I have many gifts, spiritual gifts, but two of my, the gifts that stand out the most to me are number one, I have a very unique ability to bring people together. And the other is that I am a healer where I spark hope in people where they are forgot about it, or they're teetering back and forth about ideas. And I spark those ideas in them. And then they start to believe in themselves, which, you know, people, when you believe in yourself, you start to heal yourself, you start to go after your passions and your dreams. And one of the things I always do, especially when I'm being interviewed, I, I like, so I'll probably ask you this question, but I always like to ask people, what, what, what did they like to do when they were a kid? Like what made them the most, the, the happiest when they were a child? More often than not, if people are blessed enough, they're actually working in a field that's very similar to what they what made them happy. It just isn't exactly like it was when they were a child or how they would envision it. And then there's a lot of people that are in careers or in jobs that are completely far, far, far away from where they what they were passionate about when they were young, and they're still sort of So I always find that really unique where I feel too, like in the school systems, if we would teach children or we would try to bring out those gifts that make them happy and where where they excel with their passion, 
I feel that that uh, people would be a lot happier and the world would be a much better place. And I say this in a general sense. Do you miss the the medicine woman, the the shaman, the you know the idea of the indigenous peoples where everyone's had a skill and the, they were each skill was honored and revered. Mm-hmm. And if you were an artist, if you were uh, a creative, do you think that we would do well to kind of return to that kind of living in a way? After the break, we'll find out what kind of lifestyle Christy longed for during the pandemic. Even if you're not a creator, an artist, a writer, etc., you're still a creative person. I'd welcome you to get in touch with me to be a guest on my show. I'd love to know what creativity inspires you, my listener. And now, back to the show. Absolutely. You know, one of the first things I said to two of my neighbors when we first went into, you know, when the pandemic hit, when we first, it was like the first week and everyone's at home and we weren't allowed to go to work or anything. They were kind of, we were talking about, like, I said, I think this is great. We all get to go back to basics now, you know, and I feel that that's what we are missing. We are missing, you know, people aren't looking up enough into the cosmos to see what's happening. You know, we have veered so much from what our ancient ancestors were doing. I mean, even our shoes today, you know, we used to wear moccasins. We used to be closer to the earth. We used to ground ourselves. You know, now our, our shoes are nice and thick, so we don't get that connection to the earth. And, and you know, we don't take the time to, to meditate and go inward. And I feel like a lot of us have had a mass awakening because a lot of us have taken this time to slow down and go inward, where there have been others that don't. You know, they, they've taken another road, no, no judgment. It's, it's everyone's own journey, right? But I do feel that we are in a time where we need to look back at history and we need to see where is it that, you know, we have strayed away and why and go back to self and realize how powerful we are as human beings and how we can do so many things. I mean, law of attraction, manifest, and, and, and. So I feel like what I do is I I mix a lot of that in with my work and I don't even do it on purpose. It's just who I am. Have you made any major changes in your life or the way you look at the world since the pandemic started? You know, I've always been a very happy person. In Spanish, you call that una feliciana, Uh, just always happy. And I, my sister and I joke all the time. We can say that, you know, we can have fun in a cardboard box. So I'm always, you know, I'm not a pessimist. So, you you know, I'm always looking for that silver lining. So what I think has changed is I was able to actually go inward more, but I've always been a very spiritual person. You know, at, at 18 years old, I went to massage therapy school and went to the Zen school of meditation in Coral Gables and learned Tai Chi. And I was big into karate for a while. So I've always been in a sense, very spiritual. I remember, you know, at four years old at three and four, I used to always want my mom to read the Bible to me. So where I feel what's changed a little bit is where I'm not so much as a religious person as I am more spiritual, but I, I feel it all goes in hand, hand in hand, whether it's, you know, philosophy, science, religion, spirituality, it's all relevant and it all has purpose. So I feel like if anything, I've just kind of encompassed it all and just, you know, feeling like a newborn all the time, just wanting to learn and devour and just 
open my mind up to all of the possibilities out there. You know, I always feel when I talk to people, they're like, whoa, that's too smart for me. But I, I don't look at it like I'm, I'm smart. I look at it like, wow, there's just so much to learn. I, I feel like probably not the dullest bulb in the chandelier, but definitely not the brightest. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How do you educate people to follow their dreams? I listen. I, you know, I, I, I listen to people talk and uh, I'm a good listener. And then I'll ask them some questions, you know, like, what do you do for a living? And they tell me, I'm like, are you happy at your job? And they'll, they'll give me an answer. I'm like, well, what did you like to do when you were young? So those are the questions that I like to ask. And then I'll say, you know, well, what are your passions? What do you, if you can do anything right now, what would it be? Or how would you like to help society? Or how would you like to help raise the vibration on the planet? And from there, you know, they, they kind of just tell you what probably they don't really have an opportunity to tell most people because those aren't the day-to-day conversations that they have with most people. Most people don't have those quote-unquote spiritual conversations unless you have, you know, you have a soul tribe, a uh, soul tribe family, you know, that, that's like you, it's cut from the same cloth. And, and, and from there, I'm able to, to just point things out. And it's, it's more of an intuitive thing it just, it comes as the conversation. It's not something that I have written out or script or anything. And I don't look to do it for, to people. I just, I wait for an opportunity if there is some, and sometimes, you know, the conversation never goes there. It all depends on the individual. Okay. Have you learned a method to stay the course on a path you feel is right for you? Yes, I have. A poor plan executed is better than a perfect plan not executed. Could you elaborate on that? Well, you know, I'm always uh, surrounded by people that want to help. And, and uh, sometimes, you know, they, they have all these ideas and they want all this stuff perfect first. And well, you know, I don't believe energy works like that. I believe you have to put one foot forward in order for God, the universe to help you. To me, it's God, right? But um, to, it could be anything to anybody else for those doors to open up energetically. And so I feel that you know, once you've made a decision to energetically go towards something, you already are starting that energetic process just because into inside yourself, you've already made the decision. But when you're, when you're just teetering the idea back and forth, back and forth, you're not gaining that momentum. It's when you finally save yourself. It's, it's like a diet, you know, finally say to yourself, that's it. I'm cutting out sweets. And you do. But then you could be for months teetering back and forth. I'm going to cut out sweets, but then you don't. And then you go back and forth. It's not until you make that energetic decision to do it and go forward. So I feel that if you have a plan or a passion to do something, just start going through the motions. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just follow your guidance and your intuition and it'll lead you in the right way. And everything else will start falling into place and all the doors will open for you. So I kind of live my life like that. That's that's kind of like my, my number one rule of thumb. What opportunities have arisen when you kept your goal in focus? Wow. Okay. That's a great question. So when I first decided energetically to leave the corporate world and open up my little store, right away, the location became available. And it just, I was able to give a month notice and go. And then from there, I used to manifest a store across the street and then that became available. And then the idea of the festival came along and I just started energetically putting that into motion. 
And then somewhere along the line, before the festival, I was selling mermaid tails. And, you know, I was the only person on the island to sell mermaid tails that people can swim in, which was really cool. And then, you know, Newman PR called me. And then I had an interview with, with Elaine Glusak from the Times. And, and then from there, I've been in American Way and, 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 and it just grew. And then in, and during COVID, you know, I was approached by my, my now business partners to possibly do a, a festival in Pensacola. And at the time, which was not even a year ago, it was back in August of this past year, I said, well, I'd love to do that, but I need at least a year or two. And then I started talking to Katie, my business partner now, and telling her some of our, my ideas. And she's like, we can help you with that. And so then between her and Ginger, my business partner, which are their business partners, we started Mermaid Infinity, which is an online mermaid directory that's international. And now I'm working with, I'm, I'm driving up to Fort Lauderdale, starting on summer solstice to do a mermaid program every Saturday there at the West End on Fort Lauderdale Beach. And so every time I turn around or I just keep going steady on my course, more opportunities come up that actually go hand in hand and are beneficial for all of the businesses. And it doesn't seem to, to stop. It seems to be, like I said before, and no pun intended, because I know we have Mermaid Infinity now, but it just seems to be infinite, the ideas of what you can do with the mermaid community or as a mermaid business. But I, I feel that it doesn't have to be mermaid. It can be anything in life. Just when you start those wheels, you know, that motion going, you're just going to create, you know, more activity and more motion. It's just that old, like that old saying, you know, inactivity breeds inactivity. You know, I remember my old boss when I was a buyer, uh, Mr. Ripple would say, every now and then you have to go in and change things around in the store and give it new energy. Just take it all off the shelf and rework it. And he was right. We would rework it and things would sell that had been, people wouldn't even touch. Didn't matter how clean it was, how well lit the store it was, what other new merchandise was around. It always seemed that when you moved and you touched the items, that they would sell. And it was true in my boutique when we would, we would move things around and we would touch them. People would come and grab those exact items that we moved around and purchase them. Nice. So the power of manifestation might be called creative vision. Can you tell me how you came to understand this concept of manifestation and the law of attraction and bringing into reality an idea or a thought or a process or a prayer or whatever? Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny because my mom early on in life started calling me Baruch Assaults. You know, you know, I want it, I want it now. And I would set my mind to things and I would be able to, to obtain those things. But I, I really, you know, whether you want to call it, like you say, you know, what, I, what was a phrase that you used? Creative. Creative vision. Vision or manifestation. Again, I just feel like energetically when you set your sights on something or you set it's more of, um, for me, and I, I feel that when I set my sights on something or I want something, I like to just visualize myself already having it or, you know, just owning it like it's mine. And I learned that very on before even watching The Secret, which I think is great. I just watched it for the second time over, uh, you know, when we were all in quarantine at the beginning of the pandemic. But I, I knew that early on just because I was always able to obtain the things that I wanted. And I probably learned that 
in my teens, I believe it was when I first realized that I can do it, but I didn't really realize how strong I can do it until I really started with the whole mermaid business back in 2013, how, how I was able to be a master manifester, if you will, to be able to, to make things happen. Would you say that your this this gift that you have for manifestation, does it trickle down or not trickle down because that sounds negative, spread out maybe that's a better to the people around you who you love and you interact with on a on a regular basis? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's something that I talk about, but it's not something that's unique to me. We all have it as human beings. The problem is most people don't believe in themselves. So that's where I help out is I spark that little that little light that you already had in there, but it was kind of dim. And I help you, you know, believe in yourself. And then so, and then you start healing yourself and believing yourself. So when you believe in yourself, you heal yourself. You're not listening to your muggle mind tell you you can, or it's too hard, or you're not going to be good at it. You you just believe in yourself and you're, you're determined. You're like, you know what? I can do this. And you do it. And yes, you'll have those feelings or thoughts of self-doubt, but as long as you learn to shake that off and keep going forward, then you're just pretty much going to be unstoppable because you're just gaining that motion all of the time. But it's definitely not unique to me. And how does your intuition play into this idea? Well, that's also a great question. You know, I used to not listen to my intuition as much. And, you know, I feel like it's that small, still little voice that where you get an idea, like me, I'm clear audience, I can hear things. Like last night, I wake up in the middle of the night and I hear Mekizeldeck. And I'm like, think to myself, Mekizeldeck, Mekizeldeck. And I repeat it like a question. And then I'm really tired and I go to doze off and then I hear it again. And I'm like, okay, all right, God. So I roll over, Google it. And I remember it's a name in the Bible. And so I um, found myself, <laughs> you know, three something, almost four o'clock in the morning, listening to something on YouTube about it, but it was relevant and it had a lot to teach me. But in life, you know, you can be that person that's going to set that glass down at the edge of the table and you know, it's going to fall, but you do it anyway. And it falls and you're like, Oh man, I knew that was going to happen. It's because you're not listening to your intuition. So what I have found is when my small, still little voice says something to me, a lot of times you may even think it's just your thinking out loud, or you just reverberating a thought back in your head, or you answering yourself back, but that's your higher self. So if you listen to that, and you follow that, it'll never steer you wrong. Every time I've not listened to my higher self, my intuition, it's always taken me down the wrong path. And then when I finally go on track, you know, I'm sure my people, you know, behind the scenes, up, up wherever they are, they're like, yes, finally, she got it, you know? <laughs> Jeez, I was just waiting, you know, they're probably taking bets. Like, yeah, she's not going to get it this time. <laughs> but yeah, I feel that that it's just paying attention to that feeling because we, we, we override it with our mind. You'll get that feeling and you'll know that the answer is B and not A. But then you'll question yourself. You'll say, well, maybe it's A or maybe it's C. And you go back and forth. But you always have the right answer. That's why they tell you in school, always go with your first choice. Well, at least they used to. <laughs> at least when I was going to school. But yeah, your first choice or your first thought is always right. And then a lot of times, you know, our mind plays tricks on us. We will give that person a chance. And then they ended up being just like how we thought they were at the beginning. And, you know, so it's just following that 
that little internal compass. It's funny that you say that because over the last few years, even when we were down there in Key West, I have found that when opportunities are meant to be enjoyed, doors seem to open. Boom, boom, boom. You're, you're, okay, this is the yes. But if you if you don't follow that intuition, it seems like everything then closes. The door just slams shut and is locked and you're not meant to walk through it at all. And I've learned that lesson a lot about employment. I've learned that lesson a lot about what I'm supposed to be doing. Like I feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And when I talk to people like you, it's like effortless. I really, really enjoy it because it's a conversation, but it's a, at the same time, it, it's a, a big open door really yeah. for me. And so I appreciate that you live your life on that edge pretty, you know, pretty frequently, you know, and I hope this makes you happy that you, you know, you're, you're following your footsteps that you see kind of in advance, I guess you might say. Christy will share her feelings about the human experience of connecting with others after a brief break. Inspira's audio magazine feeds me, but is aimed squarely at you, the listener. What creativity has inspired you in the recent past? Please share something with me that moves you artistically. I might even share your story on a future show. Welcome back to Inspira's audio magazine. Yeah, thank you. And, you know, I feel, you know, we're made to commune. We're made to help people. Well, you know, we're all, we're all together. We're all one. You know, and and that's what I feel the world at large doesn't want us to know. They want to divide us, but we are all the same, you know, underneath it all, we are all together. And when you follow, you know, and you are happy, that that is when things are going to go forward. Now, not to say that there's not obstacles that happen or come up, but it's how you deal with them. If you finally let go and you're like, okay, all right, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm just going to accept it. And most of the time, it'll, it'll switch back around in your favor. It's when you, you don't get upset about it and you don't try to control the situation. And you basically have that faith that everything's going to be okay is when it does work out again in your favor and doors will continue to open. But yeah, I, I, I do feel that we, uh, we don't trust ourselves enough and we don't trust our intuition and we don't trust the way that we feel about something that makes us feel good. And we'll, we'll put guilt on ourselves. Like, well, I shouldn't feel that good about it. Or I should be doing this. And, you know, if, if I do that, then, you know, that might inconvenience my life. But really, if you, if you take that and you go into that, that place or after that job or that activity or even volunteer for something that you really want to do, it, it'll become beneficial. It'll open up the doors for you because it's, you know, higher power source. God wants us to be happy. There's so many things that are completely out of our control, but the things that we are in control of, most people don't even take advantage of that. And I, I believe that if we did take advantage of that, everything would be, uh, you know, cliche, you know, be a much better place. How do you think people can overcome that distrust of their feelings of the guidance? You know, well, if, if you're lucky enough to live in a place where you're not suppressed and you're not being controlled, because there is a lot of that, unfortunately, happening all over the world. But if you are in a place that you have that liberty and that freedom, then shame on you if you're not taking advantage of it <laughs> because of fear, because, you know, fear will keep you stuck. It'll, it'll keep you in that quicksand and you won't be able to move. And, but that's mental. And, you know, your thoughts build your reality. 
So, you know, it's just like if you get up every day and you say, I don't feel good, I don't feel good, I'm sick, I'm sick, I'm sick, eventually you are. Or if you get up with a scratchy throat, you know, this happens to me and the one thought will come in, oh gosh, am I getting sick? And then I start saying to myself, no, I'm great. I feel wonderful. I start pumping the water, the vitamin C. I'm like, I feel 100%. I like literally talk myself into it and I feel great. I'll end up the next day feeling 100%. You know, my ex-husband could never understand. He's like, I don't understand. You can not feel bad for like a little bit and then you're better. And he would be sick for weeks at a time, but he would want to be sick. And, you know, God bless him. I'm not speaking negatively. That's just a journey he wanted to take. I refuse to let things that I can control, especially something like a, a scratchy throat, bring me down. You know, it's not something that's like life-threatening or anything like that. And even then, until the end, you know, you have a choice how hard you want to fight for something, right? Yep, that's very true. So if Noah Webster came to your door your lovely home there. And he said, how do you define creativity? I'm putting it into my dictionary. What would you say? I would say, how do you define creativity? I would say, be as passionate as you can about the things that you love. Because when you're passionate about the things that you love, the creativity, it just follows. It builds, it it ebbs and it flows. And it's just a continuous cycle of where you're just going to continue to get ideas off of that passion, off of that excitement. And, you know, I I see all the time with people, you know, that they'll get an idea and it could just be a name of a restaurant that they picked and they thought it was a great name. And then the moment they start actually putting the plan in motion, the creativity just starts. And it's all because they follow their passion, you know, that passion. It could be anything. It could be, you know, I want to redo a a paint in in my home. You start with the idea, but until you go to the paint store and pick out your palettes and then come back and do it, you know, but why you're doing it, you're being creative. You are, you're putting that passion, that idea into motion. So I, I guess I, my answer would be is whatever idea you have, and if it's a passion, it's when you feel passionate about it, go, go, don't worry about how it's going to happen, what ideas will come, because they'll, all of those ideas will just start flooding in and you won't be able to stop them. And, you know, then you'll end up like me, like your mind's like an amusement park. On crack. <laughs> <laughs> is creativity one of those things that is required for life? Do you feel that we, Oh, yeah. I mean, we come from a creator that is that is that created everything, right? I mean, something doesn't come from nothing, right? And so I feel like we are all created in that image where, you know, look at us as a society, as human beings, how creative we are to come up with different things, you know, electricity, um, the theory of, of relativity, you know, just just the art artists, how they can create with their hands. And, you know, they can, they use that vision that they see to put it down on paper or pick up a, a paintbrush and just start going, you know, going after that creativity inside. I mean, just a seed alone. I mean, a seed and, and that creativity is inside us all. Just like when you plant a seed, you know, it's, it's in the dark, you know, it has to work its way up to hit the sun. 
to start growing, but it starts in the dark. And so does our creativity. It starts way deep inside of us. But if you don't nurture that creativity, it's just going to stay there. And it's really kind of going to go to waste because what will happen is if you don't seize the opportunity to go after your creative endeavors, your thoughts, your passions, then that gift might be given to somebody else. And then they're going to go after it. And, you know, we are, you know, and another thing is people are so creative. I mean, we've even learned how to, you know, most creative ideas come off of a spinoff of somebody else's creative ideas, right? And when people say, oh, I'm not creative or I'm not talented, well, that's BS. We all are. It, everyone's just creative and talented in their own right. You just have to find out what that is to you. And one of the things, and one of the ways you can find out is just volunteering or just helping other people out and also just listening. You know, when you get an idea, jot it down, journal it, put it on paper. You know, I, I have these little books everywhere and I write things down. And just about two weeks ago, I was going through one and I was reading some of the stuff that I had put down like about a year and a half ago and it's already come into fruition. And I forgot about it, but I had already wrote it down. And, you know, I, I kind of feel like people forget that when you write things down, you are making it happen. You're, you're energetically already starting the process. I mean, it, it's like casting a spell on your dreams or your, your future. I mean, there's a reason why it's called spelling, right? But we don't do that enough. We get this creative idea in the shower and bed and, and then we forget about it. And then later on, we're like, oh, yeah, I had that idea, but you never did anything with it. So I, I find myself talking into my notes on my phone or, you know, making sure, repeating it over and over again. Like last time in the middle of the night when I hear Mechizedek and I'm like, what the heck? And so I repeated it several times and I was going to doze off and I hear it again. I'm like, OK, and I could have went back to sleep. But instead, I said, no, there's a reason why this name out of the blue, like at three o'clock in the morning, practically, is coming to me. So I stopped what I was doing and I went on my phone and, you know, but there's a reason for that. And don't be afraid to go down a rabbit hole. When there's a word or something that resonates, it resonates when like you feel it strongly or you get those spiritual chills that, you know, you know, it's not cold outside because it's like the dead of summer, but you get these chills all over. That's because you're resonating with something. And then there's a reason for that. Go down that rabbit hole and research that. And then if there's a word within that research that, you know, is curious to you, it resonates, then, then, then stop what you're doing and go down that rabbit hole. And, and you just educate your, on yourself because that's how source works. You know, they give us signs through synchronicities, through numbers, through nature, through music, through people even. And there's, you know, you're always right where you need to be. And a lot of people are always looking over to see who else is, you know, seabed is better than theirs, right? So if we just focused on ourselves and focus on our own gifts, we're able to exercise those and polish them and make them bright and make them bigger so that we can then encourage others to do the same. Wow, I like that. Okay, so we're going to return to mermaids. So let's talk about the elephant in the room. Are mermaids real? You know, I would like to think and I do feel that at one time they were real. I do. I feel that with all of the different sightings all over the world that fishermen or different seafarers would have. I think it was definitely something that 
it was real. And the only reason I really say that is because, you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, manatees were mistaken as mermaids and whatnot. But one of the things that is in almost all of the stories, it would say how beautiful the mermaids would sing. And I don't really know, you know, besides the different sounds that whales make or dolphins make, I don't really know what animal in the ocean really does sing. Yeah, I, I like to believe that they were real at, at a time, like the dinosaurs or whatnot. Uh, what is the importance of the ocean to you? Well, you know, we, we're one of the only creatures, the human beings, that that can hold our breath for so long, that can adapt to the ocean. Who, you know, we can fish underwater. We can, we can free dive. I mean, I think the oldest and recorded breath hold is about 20 minutes. So we're able to adapt. And I feel that we come from the ocean, that we have some kind of link to the ocean. I mean, we are what, 75, 80% water and just so is the earth. So we mirror that as well, where I feel that it's a huge part of who we are and where we came from. And I feel that in the future, a lot of that, that truth will come out. After the break, we'll learn why Christy loves the ocean so much. Speaking of oceans, have you ever just stood at the ocean's edge and looked out past the horizon? How did you feel about the immense power there? Have you ever been impacted by the sea as I and Christy have? And now, back to the conversation. Kind of capitalizing on what you just said, you know, I find that when I travel to the ocean, doesn't matter what part of, you know, Atlantic, Pacific, whatever, that there is a kind of peace. There's a kind of you're aligned the correct way, whatever way that is in the, in the ocean is an important part of that. You know, what would you speak to that about the ocean and, and how it has healing powers, I guess? I agree with you. We align ourselves and I feel that everything inside of us, you know, it flows with the ocean, it flows with water. And I feel that's where we get that sense of peace and tranquility. And it's because it feels like home. Excellent. How can the world's citizens make the world greener, as in green footprint, and what would this look like? Well, I believe we, we live in a, a society of convenience. I think a lot of people really that are educated, because there's a lot of people that are not educated about it, and but there are many groups out there that are educating people every day about this. But I, I feel that we're, we live in, like I said, a society of convenience where if you're thirsty, you you're somewhere and all there is is to buy a bottle of water a pla- in a plastic bottle you'll grab it but i feel that if we just make more conscious green choices every day to leave like with your you know your canister your reusable container of water and leave with that then you won't you have that with you all the time and you yes you might need to fill it up at some time but it'll definitely cut back and, you know, you go to the grocery store, take a bag where you can put your stuff in, you know, people don't understand. A lot of them do, yes, but how bad the situation is in the ocean. And it's just all that plastic breaks down into tiny little microplastics. And then the fish eat it or the, the microbes eat it. Then, you know, it's a food chain, right? And then eventually we eat those fish. And so you're basically ingesting plastic. So if you wouldn't take a big bite of plastic and just start chewing it up and swallowing it, Think about that, because if you eat the fish and the fish is eating the plastic, then, you know, we're all connected. 
So there's so many other alternatives out there, even to like certain different things where they don't come in plastic containers to wash your clothes. Better alternatives as far as the chemicals that we're they're going back into the drain and, and, and just just educate yourself, I would say, on how you can leave a more green footprint in the world. It's funny you say this. I was having a conversation with people just this week. You know, back in the beginning of the Piscean age, you know, we're just leaving now, you know, the time of Jesus and whatnot, since he was like, you know, the avatar, you know, one of the major avatars for that century. We didn't have all of the pollution that we have now. And also the people didn't live that long. If you live to be in your 30s or 40s, that was old. And now we're living a lot longer. People are living to be in their hundreds, their 90s or 80s or 70s or 60s. But we have we have consumed so much of our natural resources and we continue to do it. And not only that, we're also damaging it with all of the pollutions that we didn't have before. So not only are we living longer, but we're destroying things faster. So we all need to wake up and do our part. And it doesn't mean, you know, I'm not being a hypocrite. I'm one of those that out of convenience, I will do it also. But I try every day to make a conscious choice. And I think that's really where we all need to be is, are you making a conscious choice? Are you just opening up the door and just going through the motions and not even thinking about it? Because you have to think about it. And I'm 45. By the time I'm gone, you know, what are the little kids that, you know, what what are they going to have left? This is a natural segue into some of the things that you have been promoting. Can you give me a few minutes of of some of the organizations that you really support in this regard? Sure. I uh, support Reef Relief, and they educate on on all these different topics. And they're my my organization of choice just because I'm cool. And I grew up here, and I grew, grew up diving on the reefs here. I was a certified diver at 15 with Patty, but I've been diving in the tank since I was four. And so that's really important to me because, you know, I love lobster and I love fish and I love all, all of the seafood. And so thinking that, you know, in the future, we can't, we won't be able to eat that. It really, you know, it's really saddens me. So that's one of the organizations, but I also believe in, in preserving things too that are old. So I'm um, just recently, I'm um, the new secretary of the board of the old Island Restoration Foundation. Because rather than just knocking things down and building new buildings, let's restore what we have. Let's go back to basics. You know, when people didn't have lumber and things like that, they were basically, you know, like the oldest house is built. You know, there wasn't the original structure didn't have any screws to put it together. It was all tongue and groove. Most, if not all of the, the wood was from old crates and old ships. And they would refurbish that. And I think that there's a lot of that movement going on where people are refurbishing things and using, you know, products that are going to go back into the environment and be healthy and safe. And I support things like that. Like, let's, let's reclaim, let's reuse, let's not be so wasteful. Let's, you know, is it a need? Do you need it or do you want it? You know, so think about things. Is it a need or a want? If it is a need, are you making the best choice out there? And then I talk to people and they say, well, you know, if I do that, it's expensive. And then I say, well, you can pay now or pay later with your health or with the environment. So what is it? You just, you know, or people can say, well, I I don't have the money for that. 
But most of the time, it's, it's not that you don't have the money. We just choose to spend our money on certain things. So what are you choosing to spend your money on? What are some goals that you'd like to achieve soon and why? You know, one of the main goal that I really want to achieve is to encourage people to, you can say, use your intuition, use your discernment, realize that you have everything that you need inside of you. And you're much more powerful than you think you are. And that there's magic inside everyone. There's magic in the universe. There's magic in the world. And turn your TV off. (laughs) You know, I mean, there's benefits to it. But you know, I like to say it's tell lie vision. (laughs) You know, turn it off, get out in nature, ground yourself. Get some vitamin D, you know, get those light codes, people, (laughs) get those downloads and just watch what you eat. Once upon a time in this life, I was a massage therapist and I, I remember being a young woman. I was like 19 years old, 20 years old. And I had this, uh, this customer and she was one of my clients and her name was Luce. And Luce had the most beautiful skin I had ever seen on a human being. It was just flawless. And Luce at the time probably was in her 40s. And I remember saying to her after a while, because I didn't want to sound like a weirdo. And I was like, Luce, you have the most beautiful skin I have ever seen on a person. What do you do? She says, well, I'm a nutritionist and you are what you eat. And that stuck with me. And I've always you know, don't get me wrong. I love a burger, you know, five guys, you know, but I try to just make like that. I'm going to have um, fast food. I try to like, get, you know, the one that's probably the least, you know, cause I'm human too. Right. And so every now and then you, you do crave something or it's out of convenience, you go and grab it. But if you make a conscious choice to drink a lot more water, you know, get rid of the sodas and things like that, that aren't healthy for you. It also improves the way you think. And it improves the way your mind opens up creativity and your ideas. And people don't think that, but it's really, really important. So start with your, your diet, what you put inside your mouth, you know, it's, it's really important. Well, some good, uh, good information for me because I'm, I'm trying to reduce my soda intake. So we'll start with water. And that, that, that happens to me all the time is that you were talking earlier about in- energy and intention. You know, I actually have to follow through. But I just like the taste of soda so much. It just I've got a sweet tooth that just doesn't go away. And don't get me wrong. I'm not being a hypocrite. Every now and then, you know, there's nothing like pizza and soda, right? You're, you're not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't try to make a habit of it, right? So if, I feel like if something has too much control over me and I don't have control over it, there's something wrong. <laughs> In the pre-interview, you mentioned your grandmother said everyone is their own universe. What has this meant to you? Yes, my, uh, my grandmother, she's still this, this grandmother, both grandmothers really wise, they would say lots of really, really neat things. And um, I was one of those, uh, you know, old souls that would go hang out with, you know, all the older people and listen to them talk and ask them questions while the other kids were playing most of the time. And my grandmother she would always tell me, you know, when, whenever I would bring something to her, or we would have conversations about people, she, she would say, well, you know, everybody's their own universe anyway. And she was right. You know, what's important to me might not be important to you or to someone else. So with that saying, I've always learned to put myself in other people's shoes and not be so close-minded. 
and think that everything has to be Christiane's way, even though sometimes I think it is a smarter way. (laughs) (laughs) I, I respect people and I respect their choices and I'm never one to push my political opinions on anyone or my health choices on anyone. And I always find it interesting how people like to do that, you know, and, or put you in a little box. And I just feel that we're all so unique and, you know, everyone's little world is rotating on its own little axis. And like my grandmother says, you know, we are our own universe and we, we, we shouldn't discredit that. We, we should realize that there's so much to a person. There's so many layers to us that, you know, getting to know that person or getting to listen or just getting to respect the way they think, whether you agree or disagree, you know, at some point you should just agree to disagree if you're, you know, and leave it at that. Because unless you think someone's harming themselves or harming someone else naturally, but you kind of have to let everybody go through their own little journey, their own little cycles, their own little trips around the sun, if you will. Nice. So we're going to, skip away from the the esoteric and i'd like to ask you to tell me about some of your current projects and how they've become important to you what are you working on this like got you your juices flowing wow okay so i have um tomorrow i launch applications i'm the new show director for the two oldest shows on the island one being the um old island days art festival and the other being the key west craft show they were started, um, almost started in 1957, and then the other one soon after. And it means a lot to me. So I'm just because I've always been a, a, around events and festivals with my family and parties and weddings, because, you know, they're event party planners and event planners my entire life. So it's pretty much second nature for me. And it kind of goes hand in hand with my festival. And I get to know a lot of the same people in the community. And, and I love art. So uh, that's been a new passion of mine. Also, the Old Island Restoration Foundation being on the board of that has been really exciting. And of course, my festival that is uh, coming in about 30 short days, I have to pull a rabbit out of a hat and that's always exciting. But I really am excited about, you know, my new ventures where I'm working at Havana Cabana. I do Fantastic Fridays there where I teach people how to be a mermaid and not take themselves so seriously. And I play around with the kids and I, I spend a day there, but I'll also be traveling and starting this summer solstice to uh, Fort Lauderdale to be the chief mermaid there and kind of do what I've done here in Key West up there or, you know, one of the, the West End there in Fort Lauderdale beach. And then my new baby is also mermaid infinity, which is a international mermaid directory that is connecting the mermaid dots all over the globe. And I'm very excited for that because I feel that in the future, that is going to be, it's, it's going to be really big and it's going to be, like I said, you know, it's infinite what, what we can do with the mermaid world. But I feel like things are coming together, you know, for a while it was like famine and now it's feast. And so there, there's a lot going on, even though it's, it's all these little jobs, some of them are part time, but it ends up just being one big job. Um, so a lot of people are like, you do so many things, but it's really not that I do so many things. It's just that each, each thing requires a certain amount of time throughout the year. And so I'm new to several things that are new on top of my plate now. And I feel that I'm just learning to get my balance and balance it all out right now. But I'm excited for all of those new things. It's just uh, 
it's interesting where, and I have lots of ideas for the future. I'm just going to try to ground myself with these right now and get them running like a well-oiled machine before I take on anything else. So I'm starting to say no. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking as you're listing off all those awesome things that are like, I I don't know how you have the time in the day to get everything done. It's just like you're, you're always on the go. Well, believe it or not, I do a lot of work here at home um, behind my computer, and then I physically go places. But a lot of it I'm actually doing here behind the scenes. And, you know, physically, I'll probably take out about three days out of the week where I'm like in the streets a lot. And the rest of the time I'm here. So I've got a good three days um, at home where I just stay here and, you know, I'll venture out and have coffee with my neighbor or something like that, or go for a walk just to stretch my legs out, my land legs, that is. But majority of the time, it's a nice balance and I don't have children and I don't have a significant other. So it's a good use of my time. Christy will share why she has an affinity for the creative energy and lack of judgment on the island of Key West after the break. What do you think about Inspiris Audio Magazine so far? I'd love to hear your feedback. Do you have any suggestions for improvement? What am I getting right? Please connect with me at the show's website, inspiris-podcast.com. And now, welcome back to the show. So what, what do you think about Key West? It seems to be hyper-focused and hyper-concentrated on creative people and, and art and things of that nature. If you walk down Duval Street, it's like there's a bar and then there's an art studio and then there's a bar and then there's you know, people doing street art or busking or whatever. What, what do you think accounts for that in, the, in that area of Key West? Well, I think when people come here, there's magic to the city. It brings in people from all over the world and people are able to be themselves and there's not judgment passing. You don't have to keep up with the hustle and bustle of the mainland and you can be in your flip-flops and shorts pretty much all year long. And so it's a very laid back approach to things where I feel that it allows people to be a lot more creative and show off their creativity. You know, there's, there's a saying, you know, QS where the weird GoPro, right? And uh, so I, I feel that people aren't judging here. So you're able to, you know, let your little freak flag fly or put your creativity out there and you know, people are going to be like, wow, you know, there's going to be people that like it and then people that don't like it. So I think you are less judged for your creativity here than you might be in other places. And I'm sure there's many places all around the world that are a lot like Key West, but I know that it definitely brings back where that more laid back approach where that you're able to be a lot more peaceful where then your creativity juices flow a lot more freely yeah i know i know a friend that moves she every time she's here she paints 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 and then she moves away she wasn't painting every time she comes here she paints 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 and i think it's just that energy where you don't feel like you know if you've got to go to you have a list of 12 things to do during the day you'll get them all done plus you'll probably have time to meet somebody for coffee somebody for lunch And then you'll be home to dinner on time. You're not sitting in traffic for hours and hours and hours. And, you know, a lot of times that can exhaust a person. It can just suck the creativity right out of you. Where here you have more time, you know, people say, oh, you have so much. But really, because everything is so close, I'm able to get so many more things done. So is there anything that I haven't asked you that you would like to share with my audience? Or have I asked everything that you would have wanted to tell me or tell my listeners? Well, I, I know I asked something 
there was a question that I asked in the in the pre-interview, and I forget what it was, but there was something. Oh, you down. you meant you well you you mentioned about your eyelashes, and I oh. I didn't wasn't sure if that was something that you you'd want to talk about if that was something oh. that was germane to what we're talking about. So I didn't ask that, but you're welcome to to share if you want to. No, I think the question you asked was like, "Is there something that people don't know about you?" Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's when you have an extra row of eyelashes, right? So. I did thought that was funny. Uh, it was I don't know when it was. It was years ago. I was getting my makeup done, and someone pointed that out to me. So I always, when people say, you know, if you have a weird thing on your body, or, or you know, sometimes people are double jointed, or they have extra toe, or whatever the case is, or calic. You know, I'm always like, I have an extra row of eyelashes on. You know, all all my sets have an extra row of eyelashes. So it's really it's not common in brunettes. It's very common in redheads. So, oh, really? Yeah. So it's extra weird on me, but um, but I guess. I, Does it help you swim better? Uh, maybe. <laughs> it keeps the water out of my eyes. Yeah. Hey, there you go. It's good for something. How to respin it, right? Yeah, I, I want to go back to what you said about because that's always one of my questions. You know, what you love to do, and you know, when you're a kid, and you said you love to write, and I feel like, you know, writing is a form of storytelling, and I feel like you're doing that today with your work, whether you're writing or whether you're interviewing, you're telling someone's story or, you know, yeah. So I, I feel that you are doing that and that's awesome. Good for you. I really, really appreciate it. And it, it's funny because you asked me a few weeks back, you know, because I was writing that, that NaNoWriMo novel right. and you helped me so much with that. And I haven't picked it up since and I still have more to do on it, but I haven't even, I've got two works in progress. I haven't even got to any of those because this has become such a passion project for me. So, yeah. All right. So now we're going to get to the, what I call my rapid fire questions. I've got four questions okay. that are out there. The first one is, what are you curious about right now? Wow. I think right now I'm more curious about the state of the world. <laughs> Being a, a um, triple Aquarius like I am, I want to know the future all the time. So it kind of bothers me when I don't know what's going on, even though I'm pretty laid back and I try to let things go um, and go with the flow, if you will. But at the same time, just so much unrest, although I don't let it get to me and I stay very positive, but I, I, I get concerned. I get concerned and I'm just, uh, yeah, I read a lot. So where most people watch TV and just listening to what's going on, I actually read and I research. So I've been researching things from like 12 years ago, nine years ago, and things that people talked about then are happening right now. And so um, I really need to like stop doing that <laughs> definitely in the next month so I can uh, get more focused on what I need to do here for myself. But doing that, I, I've, I've been really concerned about that. And I think that's just because I worry about, I love people in general. I've never met a stranger and it doesn't, it doesn't take any work to be kind. So I feel that you know, and you don't have to be perfect to be kind. So I just, I worry about that. And I worry about, about the state of the world. Oh, that just shows how much of an empathic and emp empathetic person you are. So I can appreciate that. What do you miss most about your childhood summer vacations if you've had them? Ooh, yeah. Gosh, being at the beach a lot, collecting shells a lot. That was fun. I think it was about seven or eight years ago. One of my great aunts was at my other great aunt's house here. I still have a lot of family here in QS. And she said, you know, 
you were always such a good little girl. You would, I can take you to the beach and you would just collect shells for hours and hours. And I looked at her and I said, Thea Feely, not much has changed. I still collect shells, but I meant people, you know, I like to collect people like I collect seashells. Well, that's a nice phrase. I like that. Yeah. If thoughts become things, what did you just create? I like to think that I create hope and magic. People believing in something bigger than themselves. Nice. You're on a train trip across the country and you can only bring three things. What are they? Oh, that's great. Okay, my glasses so that I can see. (laughs) Definitely crystals. Can't leave home without your crystals. And I would have to say something to write on, like a journal, most definitely. Can you tell me about your favorite crystal, what what it does for you or what it what it allows you to view the world differently? Yeah, you know, I I really like selenite, you know, it charges everything and I just feel it purifies things. So it's always good to have it around. Um, it's funny, before I even jumped on here with you, I actually put it in my Rita water filter. <laughs> I'm charging up my water as we speak. Nice. Yeah. Well, well, there you go. Okay, so how can people find you and your work? Can you give me some web addresses, social medias, whatever it is that you, how you like to share your, your stuff with people? Yeah, they can find me on my, I have several platforms. I have Key West Mermaid Festival that you can find me on website, Facebook, Instagram. My personal Instagram is Mermaid Christy Ann, K-R-I-S-T-I-A-N-N. And also you can find me at Mermaid Infinity. And we have a new app. It's a Mer Connect, M-E-R, then Connect. And you can go on Mermaid Infinity to join Mer Connect. And it's a, um, it's a free app. So if you're a mermaid at heart, you can join with like-minded people to share ideas and things like that. So it's basically like, I would say like a Facebook, but without any restrictions. I'm one of the hosts on there, along with my business partner, Katie, that uh, came up with a brilliant idea. And you can definitely find me on there. And then on times, I make a little cameo appearance on Key West in your face. And it's a, it's a face uh, page on Facebook, and it has about over 109,000 followers on there. So um, my friend Anthony, I like to call Captain Anthony, he started it about almost 10 years ago and built this page up. And I like to say I'm Mermaid Christian on there. And every now and then, I commandeer the ship from Captain Anthony. And I take people on my adventures. And on occasion, when I go out of town, I'll show people what I'm doing. But there's people from all over the world that follow it. And I do a lot of live videos and I interview people. Um, but yeah, I, and I run, I run other social media pages, you know, um, Old Island, Old Island Days, a Key West Old Island Days uh, Festival and the Key West Crack Show. So I, I have those as well. So there's a lot, there's a lot of ways to find me. I'm always swimming here, swimming there, swimming everywhere. Nice. I think recently you posted a video. I don't remember how many months back it was uh, where King Neptune was walking out of the, you know, was coming out of the water. And I thought that was such an incredible, that was such an incredible video because you're kicking butt, you know, in the media department. I'm really enjoying your feed. And, and of course, He's a handsome man, considering, you know, I I wish I had that physique, you know, but (laughs) it's pretty cool to see how you 
how you're moving through this life, you know, it's really a, a joy to watch your stuff because I don't think I've ever seen you yeah. without a smile on your face and you're so, you know, welcoming and I appreciate you. And Thank you. If if any level of your friends indicate what kind of a person you are, then you're you're aces, you know. So oh, thank you, Spencer. That's that's super sweet. I feel the same way about you. We've always connected. You're like my my soul brother from another universe. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's one of my things that I do. I uh, I'm a content creator and um, you know director. I come up with these concepts and these ideas and. That was an idea that I had, and uh, I pitched it to Jeffrey Peters, who is our King Neptune, who is an amazing person. Besides being like, you know, should be on GQ magazine or America's hottest guy. <laughs> he's also, he's, a, he's an amazing guy. He's super humble, too. Like, when, when he gets all these compliments, he's, you got to see him. Like, he, he just, he, I, I think he walks around, he doesn't really know, you know what I mean, how handsome he is. But he's uh, super down to earth. and. Um, I told him, he's like, yeah, sure. And he's a, a retired a war veteran. He's a, he's a widower, of two, you know, two, he has two children. He's a widower and he served in a two country, I'm sorry, two wars, like 23 or 20 some countries. He's a Spartan racer. He is like, I told him, I'm like, Jeffrey, are you sure you're not Superman instead of King Neptune? But he's such a good sport. Like, I swear I have him do all kinds of things. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, the water will be freezing. And he's like, he's like, you want me to go under the water? I'm like, yeah, you have to go under and then come up. And then he's like, okay. I'm like, gosh. And even like uh, the camera guy would be like, wow. <laughs> he's really like, you know, he's, he's into it, but he's so good. He's a very great actor. I'm lucky to work with a lot of different talented people that put up with all my, my crazy uh, ideas that I have in my head, but that really did turn out really great. It's a vision I had and turned out, turned out awesome. Uh, well, I, I, like I said, I definitely appreciate it. So you're one of those people for me who I resonate with. Ironically, my wife met you first, which yeah. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. <laughs> but when I met you for that, that first time, you, you just have this glow. You have this, just a way of interacting with the world that is so peaceful and so loving and engaging. And I want the world to know about you. I want the world to bring you as much success as, as humanly possible because you deserve the happiness and you deserve, you know, all the success. And I, I hope that this, this podcast does even a, a fraction of what you deserve. So thank you. You're making blush. <laughs> well, it's true. It's, yeah. it's true. I really have enjoyed, you know, the time that we spent with you in Key West and I count you as a friend and a sister. And Absolutely. so I, I thank you. I thank you for your time and I hope that it does for you what you've done for me. So, thank you. I I, I really appreciate that, Spencer. I I don't feel like I'm ex anything extraordinary. I'm I'm you know or extra. I just feel like I'm just another person like everybody else. I just uh, I choose to be happy. I think those are you know the main thing. And I choose to just I don't I love life. I get you know even with all of the things that happen, I just focus on all the good things. And you know, like I said, I, I am worried about the state of the world, so I am human every now and then. But I try to just focus on the good things and just try not to live on all of the the things that distract us. There's so many ways to distract us today from doing what we're doing that um, I feel that we should definitely put our focus somewhere else and 
look at people when you pass by and smile and say, hi, you know, don't, don't be so antisocial. It doesn't mean you have to sit next to them and be their best friend, but it's amazing how, you know, a smile is universal and it, you don't have to be perfect to be kind. Anything else? No, thank you for having me. I'm really honored to be here and so proud of you. I just, uh, I wish you all the best too. And I'd like to tell uh, everyone that's listening. Thank you. Um, I hope maybe I'll get to meet you all. If you're a member around, I'm very approachable. Come over and say hi. Uh, tell me where uh, you heard me on the podcast and like to leave everybody how kind of like I always leave everybody. Always keep swimming towards your dreams. Nice. Perfect way to end it right there. We learned why Chrissy gravitated towards mermaids and why she believes people respond so well to them. She also explained the importance of intuition with regard to creativity and what she feels is that everyone can have access to this kind of information gathering. She also shared why it's important to her that we feed our bodies correctly. Christy has an infectious smile and a warm, engaging personality that fits the Key West aesthetic perfectly. If the mermaid culture vibes with you as it has with me, then feel free to check out her social media presence and her website for her mermaid festival at www.keywestmermaidfestival.com. I hope you enjoyed the show, and don't forget to subscribe to Inspiris Audio Magazine at the show's website, inspiris-podcast.com. Inspiris Audio Magazine is produced by Spencer Webster and SP Webster Press. Music is provided by Leland Hirschman, and intro narration is provided by Mackenzie Webster. And remember, creativity is in your future.